prayer. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our assembled hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. The Red Letter Challenge work that we've been doing has been fascinating in our congregation. The, the, the studies are, pe people love them. They're, they're, they're simple. You, you don't have to be a crazy theology professor to kind of figure out how it works. They're, they're earthy, they're real. And the stories, even after church, after the last service, it's been amazing, people have, have said. Last night I was at the Ducks game after the marvelous piece at Concordia. Man, Concordia University, what a great partner for St. John's in Orange. They opened up their new building yesterday afternoon, and to be able to go and hang out and be a part of that was really, really cool. And then we went to the Ducks game, which wasn't bad either, but um, the Ducks look good. But we were uh, in our seats hanging out, and a buddy walked by, and we started chit-chatting about this, that, and the other thing, and, and he said, you know, I just want to tell you about my life group. And I said, we can tell me about your life group, but you can't tell me what everyone said, right? Because he goes, I know, I know, I know. He said, he said, our life group is made up of people who are from different parts of the church and the county and all that stuff. And we, we learn about one another. This one doesn't like to read, and this one doesn't like to talk, and this one won't be quiet, and this one does the homework before it's assigned. But it's, it's, it's this marvelous little fresh place for each one of the people. And as he named off the individuals in that group, I thought, you know what? Each person brought a kind of a, a, a little bit of a broken piece of self into that life group. And not that they find perfect resolution in that life group, but they find acceptance in that life. They find a safe place to be able to sit and visit about life under the umbrella of God's word. And um, I, I love that. I think that's what it's all about. I really do. And I think that a church like ours that, that continues to get a little bit bigger, also in small groups, but gets a little bit smaller and a little bit warmer. And man, is that important. So my day today is to talk about service. Last week, I did a simple sermon on forgiveness at the weights with the kids. How cute were the second graders? The little kid with these little arms that was holding that one-pound weight going... Ah, ah, ah. So cute. They talked about it on the playground. Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim. So you got the weights ready, Pat. We're going to do something different today. I love the story of Jesus the last night before he was betrayed in the upper room with the disciples. I would have loved to just be a fly on the wall and listen to the commentary. No LED lights. No electric fan, no air conditioner, no refrigerator, no gas stove, no oven, no microwave. I wonder what the bread smelled like when they brought it in. I wonder what the lamb smelled like. I, I wonder what it was like when the, when the wine was poured and what that was like. I, I wonder what it was that the conversation was. I don't think it was loud laughter and all those kind of things. My sense in reading this is it's Jesus giving his last testament, his last piece to his disciples saying, before I go, fellas, here's, um, here's what it's going to be. Here's how it works. Here's how it looks. Here's what it is. And all of a sudden, Jesus, in the middle of conversation, gets up, binds his robe and, and ties it up, puts a towel around his shoulder, grabs the basin and the water, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. 
And they must have looked a little quizzical because Jesus always had a method behind the madness. There was always something behind what he was doing. And it always kind of like a, a big object lesson. Okay, Jesus, what are, you, what are you teaching us? What are you showing us now? And they go around the room and he gets to Peter and Peter can never do things the easy way. Never, Lord. You will not wash my feet. I will wash yours. Okay, Peter. You'd almost hear the other disciples go, seriously, Peter, drama again? Come on. They have this little exchange. Jesus says to Peter, he says, unless I wash you, you are not a part of me. And Peter says, well, if I'm going to be a part, I want to be all in. I want to be immersed. Jesus says, no, if I clean your feet, you're just fine. We'll be connected and that'll be enough. So he finishes that marvelous piece of service. I think the room was absolutely quiet. Clean feet, maybe a little water on the ground around each one of the disciples, a towel that started dry that's wet, water that started clean that's muddy as the feet got clean. And, and they're all together in this unique experience something that they can go back to years later when life's hard. They can lean into Jesus and this experience that they've had on the night before he was betrayed. Maybe later down the line, they come into another room and there's a smell and that smell of that lotion or that soap and they transport instantly to Jesus and the water and the washing of their feet. And the words that Jesus left them with that night. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I think this is a teaching time and a sermon that the disciples never forgot. And there was a bigger teaching and a bigger message just coming a couple more days down the road. Because Jesus knew exactly what was going on. Jesus knew exactly where he was going. Jesus knew exactly what the, the cost of his service to humanity would be. I love the reading that Dana read from First, uh, from first Philippians. Well, it is First Philippians, the only book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. See, Jesus shows service. But the result of his service is so much grander and so much bigger the result of Jesus' service is, is that you're in the Christian faith, that you belong to God. It's not just that you have clean, sparkling toes and ready for a nice pedicure. Your service from God to you is that you would know Jesus and that your life is redeemed in Jesus Christ. So to understand services, to understand Jesus, and to understand the faith. See if you can follow along with this Bible verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. He served. He loved the world, so he served. He gave. Philippians chapter 2, there's a marvelous little Greek word in there called ekkeno, pouring out. 
Jesus poured himself out completely, like a, like a, a, a pitcher being poured out, completely emptied all the way. And Paul highlights that that's the service of Christ to us. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus served. He poured himself out for you and me. He knew that the night he washed those feet, that he would pour his life out for humanity and for those disciples. He wasn't going to hold back so that in the, the ninth inning, he had a little bit left to bring that fastball. He didn't leave a little back in the tank so that in the fourth quarter, he'd have a little bit more to play defense with. He didn't skate halfway so that at the end of the third period, he'd have a little more mojo to be able to get after it. When Jesus served humanity on the cross, he poured himself out completely. So that when you and me, who are incomplete people, look to Jesus on the cross, we find complete forgiveness. We find the totality of the grace of God for us in Jesus. We find that outpouring over measure of God's grace for us. Because in his service, he gave everything and held nothing back. And in that service to you and me, Jesus is the way to God, the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. So thoroughly, so completely was his service that when we baptize this beautiful child today, there's no doubt in our minds of the completion of the faith delivered to him with the water and the word of holy baptism. I don't just think it, I just don't know it, I'm convinced of it because of the service Christ has rendered to me and to all of us on the cross of Calvary. Service, service. And then as he teaches, he gives this little thing. He says, now a messenger is not better than the one who sent him and a, and a servant is not greater than his master. Now, that's an interesting thing. It's like a little aside. I was like, well, why would you say that? We're in this cool moment now. But, but it's beautiful because the disciples had jostled and thought about rank, about who is the most important, who is significant, who would sit there, who would sit here. And, and you're like, come on, man. Jesus is saying, wait a minute. The great equalizer in life, the great thing that brings humanity together and that brings humanity into a relationship with God is Jesus. So don't think that it's about a pecking order, that we're going to have a number, and you're going to be number 12, and number 11, and number 10, and number 9, and sorry, Jason, you're going to be at the bottom of the pecking order. Yeah, sorry, buddy. But it just doesn't work that way. Jesus is saying, don't get so caught up in thinking about the rank and the pecking order, because the greatest among you would be servant of all. The humbling piece of Jesus teaching in that. And I wonder if those disciples, their heads went down and they said, oh yeah, that's right. Jesus knowing that in a couple days he's going to send these guys on the greatest mission in the history of the world and ignite the most successful movement in the history of mankind. But meaning of life is not about rank. Meaning in life is about being served by Jesus and serving our neighbor. Serving Jesus because of his love for us and serving our neighbor 
because our neighbor needs what we have. In May, on May 14th of 1978, I came forward in a little bitty church. And I love when people say, well, Klinkenberg, you've been senior pastor at St. John's for 20 years, and you've been at St. John's since 1993. All you understand is big church stuff. No. I grew up in a little bitty church. I grew up in a church that had half as many people as probably this side of the balcony, and that was it. On a good Sunday at Peace Lutheran Church in Flagstaff, Arizona, we'd have 125 people. On Easter, if we broke 175, my father would be stoked. My Bible study on Tuesday morning typically has somewhere between 50 to 60 guys. And sometimes I think about how blessed we are as a church. So in my confirmation class were two people, myself and a gentleman named Eric Williams, just two of us. So on May 14th of 1978, in front of the burgeoning crowd at Peace Lutheran Church in Flagstaff, Arizona, I was confirmed. And my father, who was a big guy, stood in front of two eighth graders, and I still remember what I had. It was the first time I had a sport coat out, a cool blue sport coat with a nice shirt, a fancy tie, a pair of slacks from J.C. Penney in downtown Flagstaff, and a pair of loafer shoes that were white, and that was just the coolest thing in the world pretty hip. Look at me, I'm great. So part of that confirmation event was being examined. And I would have rather had my father pat me down than have him ask questions. So he looked at me and he said, Timothy, how many books are in the New Testament? At which I went, 39, 66, 85, I don't know. And then I said, 27. Good. And then he asked me all sorts. We, each one of us had to answer 10 questions in front of the whole church. Whoa. We came forward. We knelt down. My father put his hand on my head. And he said the words of Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. Timothy Mark Klinkenberg, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves. This is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can and I will carry that Bible verse with me in my soul until I see Jesus face to face. The verse after that, there's a little piece in my soul that says, I wish my father would have taken one more breath and read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Consequently, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are the unique workmanship of God. That's the gospel. God made you, created you in his own image, his own fingerprints on your life. What you say, who you are, all of those things, uniquely, uniquely you. What a marvelous blessing that is. And then we hold to that that we are created for the purpose to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not that, add, that good works add more worth to us, but that they add value to our souls and add value to the people whom we serve. And so we believe that God has prepared this Sunday, October 6th, good works prepared in advance for us to do. 
and life of faith is kind of uncovering those rocks and looking around those corners and figuring out what that looks like and what that is. And I can guarantee you that as you go forward, some of those good works are going to just be out of context just a little bit. It'd be like we looked at the choir and said, you're going to do songs like this that you're really comfortable with, but today Dr. Heidi's going to drop you on one that's like this. And the sopranos say, we can't get that high. And the basses say, we can't get that low. And Dr. Heidi goes, you can do it. Because our good works, those, those pieces of service stretch us and stretch the context of our lives. I think they happen at the fringes of our lives. And that's why sometimes they're hard to, hard to take on. And I think they're going to stretch our abilities as well. You're going to look and it's going to be in front of you and say, I'm not sure I can do that. I don't think you'll say, I can't do it. I think you'll say, that's a little out of my comfort zone. Yeah, that's why it's called service and not convenient. And serving leads us to sacrifice. We were always taught in our family it wasn't true service until it hurt a little bit. That you had to not just go the first mile, as Jesus said, but go the second mile as well. And maybe that's what makes service reflect the heart of God. Because we pour ourselves out. I Google searched all sorts of great illustrations and I knew I was going to tell the confirmation story. I didn't want to tell you more about my, my life and my heart. That gets overly redundant and boring, but I'm reminded of probably the greatest servant or one of the greatest servants who would have never put her name anywhere on uh, her humility was amazing. She lived in Calcutta and her name was Mother Mother Teresa, an Albanian nun, addressed the United Nations for 12 minutes. I would love for you to Google that this week and listen to her speech. Unreal. About 1995. Worked with the lowest of the low and the least and the lost. And you can coin that and make that little thing however you want. But at the end of the day, people who no one else would touch, Mother Teresa touched. Whether it was words of encouragement, whether it was service, whether it was mercy, whatever it was, Mother Teresa, raised by a pious mother, from what I understand in my reading, no father, poured herself out. Mother Teresa said, the fruit of love is service. The fruit of service is peace, and peace begins with a smile. Maybe your work of service is just a smile. You ever think about that? Hi, I'm Tim Klinkenberg. Nice to meet you. <laughs> the fruit of love is service, the fruit of service is peace, and peace begins with a smile. Maybe in your heart you don't feel like smiling. And maybe your service that stretches you this week is simply to smile and greet people graciously this week. Good morning. It's nice to see you. Can I buy you a donut? How about a cup of coffee? Maybe that expands your context. Maybe that's uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's something that you look at and you say, that's a sacrifice for me. That's okay. Begin with a smile. 
Mother Teresa said, do things for people not because of who they are or what they do in return, but because of who you are. Being and doing, we've talked about in the Red Letter Challenge. It reveals a heart of faith to sacrificially give to somebody else. And maybe they see our lives and see Jesus through us and see who we are through what we do. And do ordinary things with extraordinary love. What a marvelous quote. Do extraordinary, do ordinary things with extraordinary People talk about the decline of the church and all that stuff, and the culture of this and the culture of that. Mother Teresa didn't go in the name of any other person, didn't go in the name of Teresa, didn't really necessarily go in the name of the Catholic Church. Mother Teresa went in the name of Jesus. And people know Jesus because of the love and kindness with which she served and poured out her life for other people. Who you are resonates in what you do. Jesus took the towel, put it around his waist, washed the disciples' feet, looked at them and said, now that, now that I've given this example for you, wash one another's Let's pray. It would have been wonderful to be in that room that night, Lord. Subsequent days were pretty rough on you as you poured yourself out on the cross for us. As you showed us the completeness of your service, holding nothing back. That when we reach back to, to, to find strength and faith and grace and hope, we hang on to your cross because in the completeness of your sacrifice on the cross, there's the completeness of our connection towards you. So be with us in those things this week that you have set out in advance for us to do. When we turn the corner at work and that individual is there, help us smile and take a deep breath and say good morning. When that conflicted piece comes at the end of the week that we've been dreading, help us take that deep breath to look to you and say, I got this. Bless us with this profound sense of humility that leads us to a sense of confidence in you. We pray for those people who have extraordinary opportunities to speak into culture and to serve in ways that inspire us all, like Mother Teresa. Bless us in our own ways, in our own context, to serve those whom you put before us. This we ask and pray confidently in the name of Jesus.